All right, guys, here's some of the deals that we got going on at Solace Meds throughout the entire month of October. Dixie Gummies, 25% off. Solace Bars, 25% off. New Solace Sticks, those are brand new. 25% off. Mile High Extractions, also 25% off. You can get Summit for 25% off. And 1906 Drops, also for 25% off. They've also got Halloween specials going on. When we get to Halloween, October 30th, October 31st, the entire store, you can buy three, get one free on any product. October 31st on Halloween, get a goodie bag with a purchase of $50 or more. Of course, when you stop into any of the four Solace Meds locations, they got one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, one blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Drop the code DNVR20, get 20% off your entire purchase every single time. Also get a free Solace bar or King Cone as well. Again, valid at any of those four Colorado locations. What is up, everybody, and welcome in to the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR whenever you sign up. Uh, today is going to be a notebook edition slash the list live. This is available for all DNVR members only as a video. I've got 16 clips today I'm going to go over. Remember, this works as audio only, so if you're not a DNVR member, that's okay. Hopefully, we could walk you through all of the different things that we're, we're talking about if you know you're new to this i go back rewatch the games cut clips and then talk about the clips i think are most important and then also just talk about the things i took away from the game in much more detail than what we do in the post game show post game show obviously instant reactions this one much more of a, a deep dive on it to join me for the second time in a row i got my buddy harrison win harrison what's going on Happy to say the mat, the mustache is shaved. It's gone. It's never coming back. <laughs> uh, I'm taking full blame for the loss. I'm taking full blame for Jokic banging knees with Rudy Gobert. You guys can put it on me. Uh, you better hope he's forever. okay. I would hate to blame your mustache if Jokic missed significant time. But, <laughs> but I would. I would blame it. Yeah. Well, I mean, on on the topic, though, it, it seemed last night that he avoided any serious knee injury. Like he came back on the court, clearly probably could have played. I was actually told he probably could have played if it was a playoff game or something. Right. But they obviously wanted to hold him out. And uh, even today when I was just checking in with people, it, it seems like he definitely avoided anything serious. We'll see if he sits out a game or two. Uh, but I, I don't think this is something that's going to linger for, for that long. Well, hopefully it doesn't linger even into Friday because, one, the Nuggets are just so much more fun when Jokic plays, so I'd love to see him play. Also, Harrison, the numbers on him this year, absolutely ridiculous. We're going to talk about it here in a bit, but, you know, it's only four games, a small sample size. These things will go down. Last year, if you recall, he was averaging a triple-double for six weeks. You could argue the triple-double number more impressive than the numbers this year, but what I will say is Jokic, the scorer this year, has just been on a whole other level from anything he's done. And he's been one of the most efficient scorers the game has ever seen. But this year, those numbers are just absolutely absurd. And I do feel like in many ways we were robbed of, of an all-timer from Yoke. Um, but let's get into these notes. Again, guys, for DNVR subscribers watching this uh, on the DNVR.com, this will be ad-free for everybody listening to this. Of course, the ads will be put in uh, and, and there will be no video. If you do want to see the video, sign up. $5 a month gets you access to all of this. Um, my first note's a silly one, Harrison. Jokic seems exceed, uh 
extra focused this season on winning the opening tip. Have you noticed this? He's three of four on opening tips. My hypothesis is he just wants to put off playing defense for as long as possible. <laughs> it's just, it's funny to me because if you watch at the beginning of games, he's kind of focused. He's kind of like locked in and it's like, he's like, he just really, sometimes guys walk up there and they kind of half-ass like, who cares who wins the tip? It's just a little thing where he's extra focused. Again, different man, different man. <laughs> um, Jokic took a uh, foul to save a dunk on the first defensive possession, and it's a bummer. Like, look, Jokic didn't get in foul trouble. Foul trouble wasn't necessarily a storyline in this game, but it is annoying when he takes a foul early on on a, just a nothing burger play, and it's like, come on, man. Like, Gobert was going to have a dunk. You can just let him have that one. You don't have to, to draw a, a foul on you. Um, I actually thought this was the weakest defensive game from Jokic so far. On rewatch, there were moments that were like a little bit better, but I'm curious if it was the early foul trouble played a factor. You know, you pick up one foul, you got to be smart. And maybe he was like, well, I'm just not going to pick up a foul. So my defense is 10% worse. Or if he knew he had to carry such a heavy load on the offensive end tonight, which he was on pace, obviously, he really did. He was still the leading scorer, even only playing 15 minutes. So I wonder if he consciously makes a calibration between. I'm going to, you know, ratchet up the offense a little bit, ratchet down the defense a little bit to have energy. I, I'm, I'm curious that, or I'm just curious if Utah they run that spread pick and roll that's really hard to guard, and he just isn't that great against it. What, what do you think? My theory is it's partly that, and also partly because I think Jokic, when there's a big game, but when Denver's playing like a top tier team, goes into it saying like I can't get in foul trouble or else we're screwed. So yeah. I, I think for these big games, like against the Utahs of the world top west top east teams he's not gonna like play the rim protection defense that he can just because he won't stay out of foul trouble because he knows it's going to be a tough game right i i honestly think it's that one as well um if i were if i were to guess that would be the one i would guess um we got our first this clip here. this game this game did kind of feel like a bubble playoff game against the jazz to me at least when it started just like all, tons all of all offense offenses. both teams scoring donovan yeah. mitchell pulling up uh, yoke doing whatever you want like it, it felt like a bubble playoff game one of my notes here and we see the first video pop up on screen here i thought aaron gordon did a great job defensively on boyan and here's a possession that kind of highlights it. in fact boyan did not have a very good shooting night and you just see how locked in he was fighting through screens this is a double screen off of a cut gets on his hip does a good job and then even on this one here i really like the closeout closes out middle for uh, forces uh boyan to that runner and then obviously it's a one-handed slinger and if we watch this closeout again what I love is he closes out to that uh, right hand, taking trying to take away the middle drive. And Boyan does get around him on this, but look at the angle he has to take. Rather than a straight line drive at the basket, Boyan has to sort of go with this long route. And Gordon does a great job of opening up his hips and getting beating him to the angle. So that by the time he gets to this little runner, look at how Gordon contests that. That's a, yeah. that's a real – even for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, this would be a difficult shot to make. Um, <laughs> Gordon just does a great job on that, and I thought it was uh, indicative of the type of night he had guarding uh, guarding Boyan on the perimeter. The, the numbers for Boyan, by the way, let me um, – I had these up here. Five of 14 shooting. And, and most wow. of those, by the way, came against other defenders. It wasn't – those weren't like him burning uh, Gordon. That, that was really good defense, I thought, all night. And by the way, this was the first test, Harrison – they haven't really played uh, a wing. I mean, Keldon Johnson, I guess, was a test as well. Keldon, he kind of. I was going to bring up Keldon Johnson, but when I went back and looked at the film from that, I thought Gordon played pretty good defense on Keldon yeah. Johnson. Keldon Johnson just made some ridiculous shots, like r ridiculous yeah. long twos. I thought that was pretty good defense Gordon played in that game, though. 
And it was impressive. Like this was just a great all-around game from from Gordon. I think if the Nuggets get this out of him, uh, you know, a lot going forward, they should be very excited. One note I have here, and we're gonna play a little highlight reel. One thing you know, I've noticed about Gordon, he's been more explosive, but it's almost always going right. I mean, he he has such a strong preference to his right hand, and I wonder how much players you're gonna see this is back-to-back sets here of him going right, and you see Boy on the second time kind of reads it. Now he does look. Gordon was in his bag tonight. That's a double pumper. Like I don't. I don't, a lot of these shots he makes, I don't have a ton of confidence uh, in him taking these all the time, but hey, he did a good job. But I do want you to kind of notice as I'm rolling this clip here of all of his dribble drives, how many of them are right. Even if he's making moves, they finish right. And it's just clear that oh, he's yeah. so much more comfortable. And then when he gets back to that left hand, it's fallaways and, and, and things of that nature. So just a, a little tendency that I see, I see out of him so far. Yeah, and what we saw with Gordon last night, like that is not ideally how he's going to be getting his offense this season <laughs> you know like he only went to a lot of that stuff um well he, he did go to a lot of that stuff early right like he, yeah. he was passing up threes uh getting to getting close to the rim attacking the basket um i i like i actually like that more than him settling for an open three which a defense is going to give him every time yeah yeah for sure i don't know that the this is there's a healthy mix that Denver can go to Aaron Gordon. One, he's a good player. Like, I don't, he, he's going to have nights like this where he just shoots the ball really well from the types of shots he was doing. I do think it was important that he had such an aggressive mind frame in this one going to the basket. As you mentioned, he did pass down shots. I think he started seven of seven and then he finished, you know, I think two of what would that be, two of six. But a lot of those were three. Three of those were threes. So I do think he wore down a little bit and then started to settle in the second half on yeah. the exact type of shots where he wasn't in the first. So maybe the back-to-back caught up to him. But I think the lesson here for him and maybe for the coaching staff to, to really hammer home is, hey, it doesn't have to be pretty. But when you're going inside, like good things happen for us. And that would be a nice thing for Denver to be able to start going to because they need to spell Jokic. And those plays today spelled Jokic. They, they just gave Jokic a chance to stand at the top of the key and take a possession off, which um, is honestly important. Yeah. Um, Jokic is always ready to shoot the three when the Nuggets play the Jazz. And it's a big mm. thing. I think a lot of his good shooting – I've said this for years. Jokic's three-point shooting has as much to do with conditioning and focus – as anything and i think on these games he goes into him knowing i have to shoot the three tonight so just be ready yeah and the first three he took was almost a not a rushed three in a bad way but just a, a three as in like he you could he you could tell in his mind he's like i'm shooting this as soon as it swings to me and i just think there's something to it as a shooter when you're not you know you're, you just kind of commit to it ahead of time well when you shoot that three early it's pretty much him saying like all right this is gonna be how we play offense tonight. Like yeah. the, you're going to have to come out and guard me because it's early in the first quarter and I'm shooting this. Like this is how it's going to be the whole game. Yeah. It's all just all about saying the tone. Yeah. I think um, I, I just mentioned this one's a little bit out of uh, order, but the Gordon, Gordon attacking, he also had some power moves on Boyan and Boyan's a big dude. And Gordon, mm-hmm. just to show like Gordon is stronger than his body weight. He, you know what I mean? Like some guys are this way. He's stronger than his body weight. And he just muscled Boyan in a lot of plays where it's like, man, he is just too strong for this dude. Uh, a real a real asset for him. Um, Oh, this is one of my favorite notes, I think, from this entire thing here. If I get over here, Jokic attacking closeouts. 
the biggest difference to me, he's made a seven-point jump in points per game over the last two seasons, really from two seasons ago to now. To me, the number one thing has been his ability to attack closeouts. So I'm going to roll a little highlight clip here, but you see on this one, Gobert trying to attack him. I mean, this was this was like such a like mouse in the house. I love it. That That's barbecue chicken. The, the defensive player of the year is, is, is a, a mouse in the house. But watch, on this catch, he just drained a three in Gobert's eye, okay, mm -hmm. on the play before. So now Gobert has to pick to come up a little bit more, and you see Jokic catches it on the move. And this is what I like about – this is what I think is different about Jok. One, he's quicker. Like, this has just gotten quicker. But two, now he's reading this as not as a thing that he's just comfortable doing, whereas before I think it's like, I'll do it if I have to. We remember his sophomore season putting 40 up at the Garden. He had a handful of these. But I think he's just so much more comfortable now that if you're a Gobert type, you have to pick, do I play – Way back here and let Jokic shoot the three. Can you see my arrow? Yeah. He is, either has to play way back here below the foul line and let Jokic shoot the three, or you have to step out a lot and risk that. Boom. Beat you. And then I love this. Gobert's a little bit behind. He's not in like – because he's not in front of him, Jokic, you can be a little bit more uh, physical, and Jokic gives him this little chicken wing, get, throws the elbow out, gets him off balance. But what I love is Gobert is still in position to block. Yoke knows that and just gives him the little pump fake. Like <laughs> this is the easiest little like cooking of a defensive player of the year. The other thing I like again about his quickness here on the handoff, we're seeing more keeps right here rather than go with it. He, he keeps it. And again, because defenses used to be able to try to jam or do this or that now, like whatever you, whatever poison you pick with Yoke, especially if you try to get into him, he's quicker than you now, uh, at least on first step. And once he has it like Luca, it's not that he's the fastest guy. It's that once you're on his hip, you're just on his hip. And then lastly, slips. This is a ball screen that never happens. So this is Jokic coming to set the side ball screen. But he knows, like, I can sneak that in on you and get around you. Um, so those quickness well, things. He, he knows he's got Hassan Whiteside on him is what he knows. <laughs> but, I mean, he did the first one to Gobert. Like, you're, you're not wrong about Hassan Whiteside. You know, you're not, you're not wrong, like, that he's sort of like a guy you can do the trick basketball moves to. But I think more important is it's just there's now he's now got that counter to where he has no weaknesses. I mean this. I think more than any player in the NBA offensively, he just has no weaknesses. There's no way you can guard him. He's too quick of a first step. He's too strong. He's too big. Like he's got too good a touch. It's it's a it's underrated how great he was in these first few games. I'm just gonna keep saying it. Totally. Remember at the beginning of last season when. Jokic came out of the gate. He was scoring like crazy. We were like, "Wait, is this is this the new Jokic?" And he was almost kind of doing it begrudgingly, yeah. Um, because like that had been a narrative for so long. Like, why is it Nicole? It was it was an incorrect narrative. It, it was like, why is Nicole Jokic not giving you twenty five and ten every single night? Like, only right. if you're an MVP, you got to give twenty five points every single night. Um. People just said that because they never understood Jokic. But now it's like he's realized that actually nobody can stop me. And yep. I can literally just go score every single time if I want to. He's so aggressive offensively. Like so aggressive. And I honestly don't think he was skilled enough to be this aggressive three years ago. But he's just the, – the quickness, the confidence, the, everything has just gotten better. And now it's – like he's trying to score every single time down court and then reads – I mean perfectly reads the passing angles and, and stuff as he's always done. Yeah. This, um, this, is why I, this is why I think Jokic is not only like the best player in the NBA, he's clearly the best regular season player because when you're game planning for somebody in the regular season – and you're the opposing team, 
you got to like change your game plan up every night because you're playing a different team. You don't have enough time to really game plan these intricate defenses. And if you're going to stop Jokic, like you need a, like a two week uh, summit with all your assistant coaches and like get all the ideas out there and come up with this grand defensive strategy in a regular season environment. There's no chance you're coming up with a game plan to slow them down. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, by the way, the, even the announcing crew is making comments about how much Jokic murders Gobert. It's kind of funny. Like, Gobert <laughs> is so great, and Jokic goes at him the way he would go at, like, Myers Leonard or something. You know, like, any, yeah. anybody. another Myers Leonard. Two Myers Leonard references in a row today for us. <laughs> um, Porter, I thought, I have a note in here. Porter, I don't even remember what this video is, so I'm going to have to pull it up. But Porter, uh, I think has been locked in, was locked in defensively a lot better in this game. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, this is a good X out. Plays. This is a good X out sequence. Um, his offense was pretty bad, but keep an eye on Porter and Aaron Gordon here. Gordon, the, one thing that's interesting about this play, by the way, actually from Utah's perspective. So one thing that Denver had been able to exploit about Utah was forcing the ball into Gobert's hands on the roll. So when these high passes go, Denver would overload to – really up high here to try to force Gobert to catch here instead of catching here because here right. it's just one dribble and a dunk but if you can force him to co- catch it way the heck up here guys can rotate and Gobert's not that good like of, at making this extra roll man pass but Utah I mean Quinn Snyder's a great coach one of the best I think X's nose coaches so one thing Utah has doing now is basically swapping them immediately rather than have Gobert he's not even looking at the ball he's rolling as a basically an exchange so in a weird way he sets the screen but Boyan kind of becomes the default role guy. So it's a really nice setup here uh, by Utah. But what I like is you keep an eye on Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter to stymie this as they do. Gordon has to be stay low to not allow Gobert to get free. And then you X out. So Porter steps up. Gordon steps to the corner. And then Gordon runs him off the line, which I think is good. Corner three-pointers, you want to run – You mean, it's obviously best to close out and stay in front, but in the NBA, it's so hard to do that. These guys are really good. The ball moves quickly. So he rolls past him. But what I love is Michael Porter then sprints back in front, and then Aaron Gordon sprints here to run another guy off the line. So if we watch this in full sequence here, watch double X outs here. X out. This is another, crazy another defensive effort out. by Aaron Gordon. Yep. <laughs> Look at Great him. Great time. And, and Boyan's a great shooter, and he's especially good at that little sidestep escape shot. So, um, you know, sometimes guys hit that. But you know what? They hit it less than they would hit just a regular catch-and-shoot three-pointer. So uh, I thought that was great defense from both Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon. When Aaron Gordon has said, like, I love really high-level defensive matchups. I love defense. I actually believe him. A lot of guys will say that, and it's right. total bullshit. He's like, right. oh, hopefully my coach is listening to this press conference and he knows I'll he'll know I love defense. With Aaron <laughs> Gordon, with Aaron Gordon, I believe it, man. That, that guy really loves to defend. For whatever reason, he was extra locked in. I don't feel like he's always locked in for a whole game, but he was extra locked in in this one. Um, Steve Jones on Twitter, a great follow. I'll probably try to have him on the show here before too long. Pointed this one out, and I thought it was great. Usually Denver has the screen rescreen action. When guys go under, you'll notice Denver always rescreens. And the reason you always rescreen is if you go under, you don't respect the three-point shot. But that allows Jokic right. to then move lower and set the screen. And now this three-pointer becomes a little foul line jumper by virtue. What Monte did on this possession, maybe this was just like a, a missed read or something, but a little dribble pitch. And I thought it was cool for one. It just it gives a different dynamic, but it also created the layup for him. Rather than rescreen, he picks it up, pitches it right back, gets inside. And again, the value of Yoke is 
Whiteside doesn't want to jump down here because if he does, it becomes a switch, and then Jokic has uh, Donovan Mitchell on him, and that's barbecue chicken. So he sticks close. The pitch happens. It works just like a screen rescreen, only it's a pitch, and it's a wide-open layup. Layup. That's the Monte Morris from the playoffs. The guy yeah. who gets the ball and goes hard to the rim. Like, that's the guy who – that's the guy who, like, he was in that Blazer series. A good question here from our guy Brendan in the comments. Um, again, if you guys have questions, this is the value of being a DMVR member. You can ask us live on the show. Um, but he asks, how does Murray change the way Denver defends the Utah pick and roll, if at all? I think what's interesting about this question is I, I so much of defensive pick and roll, de- pick and roll defense is chemistry and size and those types of things. Murray's six foot five. He's big. He's way, like, he's a lot bigger than Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell which is kind of surprising. So he's got the length. Will Barton has the length. P.J. Dozier has the length. But they also all have chemistry with Jokic in terms of they just kind of know each other's rhythm and timing, and they anticipate each other's movements. So I think that is one way. Like, we saw this a little bit with Barton. Donovan Mitchell was good last night, but he wasn't great. He wasn't bubbled Donovan Mitchell. And I think just having, you know, Dozier and Barton out there makes a big difference um, in terms of the length and chemistry. So Murray, another guy that, while not a great defender himself, I think has good defensive chemistry with Yoke. He's got pretty good defensive instincts too. Like Jamal's played enough high-level games. He's been a starter for long enough to just have seen so much. And like that's that's the biggest thing when you're a young defender coming into the NBA – yeah. A lot of rookie defenders are awful because they've just never seen this type of shit before. Guys, make sure to pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager this week from Breckenridge Brewery. You know the can. You know the beer. It's the official beer of the Nuggets season. Mile High City Copper Lager. It's got that Nuggets skyline blue. It's got that Nuggets logo on it. Pick some up from your local liquor store. Pick some up from your local grocery store. Sometimes they got it there. Or if you're in the Littleton area, check out the Breck Brew Farmhouse. Great food, great drinks. Of course, every Breck Brew that you could possibly want, probably on tap there. Uh, So hit up the Breck Brew Farmhouse if you're in that area. Also, we're really excited about this new sponsor, Snooze Mattress. They've got something called the Snooze Flip, which is the most universal mattress on the planet. It's a mattress that's designed to fit everybody. Uh, It's the world's first four-in-one mattress where you can choose soft, firm, cool, or cozy You can flip it to choose your comfort level, and then you can zip it with their reversible and washable temperature-regulated cover. Snooze Mattress. Check these guys out. They're a Colorado company made here in Colorado, designed for the rest of the world. They're giving DNVR listeners an awesome deal. Use code DNVR and receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base as well. So you get both those deals with the code DNVR. Uh, when you type in that code DNVR at snoozesleep.com, you get $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base as well. Snooze Mattress, they hooked the DNVR employees up with some mattresses as well. They're all getting great reviews. They're awesome. These things are super comfortable. And like I said, you can customize it to soft, firm, cool, or cozy and flip it to choose your comfort level. They're really comfortable. So check them out. Snooze Mattress. You can use that code DNVR at snoozesleep.com. Also, I'm going to throw in a little DraftKings pick of the week in here. Uh, Let's see. uh, Pulling out my DraftKings app. They don't have the Nuggets lineup, unfortunately, for the Mavs game. I would love to take that, but they're probably waiting on uh, Nikola Jokic's status for that. The Lakers are playing the Thunder tonight. I don't think... 
Anthony Davis is playing. I don't think LeBron James is playing. I still like the Lakers, minus five. The Thunder guys really suck. I think they might flirt with like the worst record in NBA history. Whatever that mark is, uh, they really might flirt with it. They're 0-4 so far. Uh, I don't see that changing tonight. Lakers, minus five against the Thunder. It's my DraftKings pick of the week. This was a great, another great example of great defense. So here in transition, you've got uh, Aaron Gordon switched out onto Donovan Mitchell. And I've won. I love that they don't call the foul on this play. So it's a high pick and roll. Uh, Aaron Gordon's on ball. Donovan Mitchell does that thing where he stops short of what he should have and jumps forward slash sideways. Gordon does just a great job of staying down and not getting his hands up, not getting his hands in the cookie jar, just saying, hey, if you're going to jump into me, I'm not going to let it be a foul. And it was great defense um, that led to great offense because of it. And again, we saw this in spurts last year with him um, against um, Damian Lillard, but that was a great like switch out onto Donovan Mitchell and get a stop. Man, I am so excited for this game Friday, even if Yoke doesn't play. Oh, man. But I'm so excited just for the Aaron Gordon on Luka Doncic matchup because yes. when you talk to people in the Nuggets front office, I don't think there's a defender that they think guards Luka Doncic better than Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to see the first time, you know, the first matchup of those two because we didn't get it late last season. So one another one of my favorite clips, and this is where the five man chemistry between this this lineup only gets better the more they get familiar with Yoke. This is an example of a play where Yoke actually sees it before everyone else, but everyone else actually reads it in pretty uh, in, in pretty good order. So what just happened on here? You got you might not have noticed it, but you got the switch. You get the point guard Donovan Mitchell switched out onto Aaron Gordon. Okay, he was Royce O'Neal, who's their best defender, perimeter defender. Instead, now you have this, and what it does is it sucks in the defense on the weak side. Gordon has off to a hot start, but he's also just too big for Donovan Mitchell, and the defense knows that. Now, you see Michael Porter is the one guy who maybe doesn't quite fully recognize this yet. I don't mind what he's doing here. He's coming to set this back screen so that you get Barton out here, and then you can get the skip pass, or you get this screen, and then you dive on the inside, and it's, and it's really nice. So there's, there's some things here. But Yoke realizes right now that that's not needed. Right now, you have a defense that's committed, and he throws the no-looker. Just He's just going through his reads, and his reads are very simple. Michael Porter, by the way, knocks down the shot. But so, reads, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, so the read is actually really simple. Like, right here, Yoke knows the read now. Like, oh, they switched. Okay, I got it. So what's going to happen is now there's only one read to make. It's this helper right here. If he's got a foot in the paint, skip. If he's outside the paint, throw the lob. And you see Jokic here, and he's like, all right, foot in the paint, skip. And now Michael Porter's open. And he does this little, you know, I would have loved for Porter to have maybe – look, again, I don't mind him trying to read this, but I do think as you get more chemistry, instead of being right here, Porter's going to be right here behind the three-point line, and that skip now is just like sit right here, and it's wide open automatically. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. He probably should be in the corner right there. But even the corner, like, makes for the angle that's tough. Like, you could even just slide up just a little bit. There's a rule – with basketball and it's um, on the weak side, one of these rules is if you imagine this is a wheel, the entire paint, where the circle is, imagine it's a full circle with the axle right in the middle. As the ball, and the ball comes back to here, as the ball moves this way, you move this way, right? If it's a wheel, we're all turning. If it goes this way, then you get to the corner. So as Jokic goes from the top of the key to over here, everybody lifts. You lift here and you lift here. Not a lot, but just from corner to right here. And the reason is because here to here, 
he pass could be intercepted here to here. It's just a better angle. So yes, I mean, I don't blame Porter for trying to do this action. It's a good one too, but I, I do think they get to a point eventually where he realizes as soon as the switch happens, he realizes, Hey, I can get to this spot and I'm going to yeah. have a wide open three quick tangent or kind of related, but do you have a guess for how many corner threes Michael Porter has attempted through four games? Oh, wow. No, he's O of three. Wow. He's O of three. three. And one of those hit the side of the backboard. That was that's right. I remember it. Yeah, man, that's a crazy, crazy number. That's that's really interesting, especially when Michael Malone said that was an emphasis was to get him. Somewhere. Right. It was a point of emphasis this season, <laughs> him running to the corners. And he has three corner threes in four games. Um, another note I have here, the Jazz were just completely unbothered by Faku's defense in this one. I mean, they were too tall. Jordan Clarkson especially just was not he, – he went right around him on a few times, like beat him off of the dribble. But also, like, even when Faku stayed with him, Clarkson's so tall that he's able just to kind of put the ball high and get to his shooting motion unbothered. And, look, it's going to happen against some teams. Like Mike Conley, okay, he's small. Faku maybe can do some stuff there. But the second units were just so tall and so big. Uh, Joe Ingles can run point for them and they've got Boyan and they've got Clarks and they've got so many big tall guards and wings that I thought Faku didn't do anything wrong in this game defensively it just didn't matter his defense didn't matter um, in this yeah. one um, and then I have another one here PJ Dozier smoked to lay up at the rim if you talk about the 14-0 run that happened to the Nuggets once they started making substitutions a lot of stuff where, again, I going back and watching, it was even worse. Like, what are we hoping for? We're going to talk about that here coming up as we get to the second quarter. But some of it was also like P.J. Dozier, can he finish my like medium difficulty shots at the rim? He kind of hasn't proven that throughout his career yet. As much as I love him and the, like, the stuff he does, he, he does the Moutier where he'll sometimes get to the right spot and just miss the layup. That's like yeah. it doesn't matter that you can get there if you can't finish. And then this one, um, that was definitely the case of Dozier. He is not finishing plays. He's finishing um, threes. He's shooting yeah, 50% he's from three, three. still. Somehow. But this is what I said when everybody was talking about um, Faku this year, and they're like, he's worked on the three-pointer. Like, sweet. Like, that helps. It's definitely an, a value add. But for him, it's more about what does he do at the rim. And I think with Dozier, in a lot of ways, it's the same way as well. Um, yeah. the, the Jazz, I don't know what their regular rotation is. We talked about this yesterday, but they brought him out early, Gobert, that is. And he just. I think it is their him. regular rotation. They like to play Gobert and a couple starters with Conley, with Ingles, who are like starter-level players against most teams' benches. So if I would have told you going into this game, okay, Gobert's going to play against Denver's second unit. Denver's going to go to the all-second unit to start the second quarter, and uh, yeah. they're going to go up against uh, Ingles, Gobert, and Clarkson. Um, how do you think? How would you have guessed that was going to go? Um, maybe like a 10-0 run for Utah. Yeah, <laughs> no question about it. Like, it was just going to be dominant because the thing is is that they had both the um, – the size advantage and and like a talent advantage like denver was not as talented but they also were like too small um and this is a great example of it this is a two-way play here that kind of highlights some of the issues one malone has referenced this guys not knowing the plays and it blows my mind but watch everybody here oh, i just got a amber alert sorry um <laughs> so watch watch hey no over there where and then he's like, no, now you over there. Like somebody, and I don't know who, doesn't know what the heck is going on under possession right here. We're down to 15 seconds. Nothing has yeah. happened. We're down to 15 seconds. Now let's just set up and run spread pick and roll because we don't know a play. Um, and what do we get into? Pick and go figure, pick and pop, you guys. <laughs> this is like every possession for like eight, uh, you know, eight possessions in a row was pick and pop. So you get a Jeff Green mid range. Jeff Green was really bad in this game. He was sneaky bad. He didn't, 
he couldn't exploit any any of these types of things. But also like a Jeff Green fall away from seven feet. What what do you what do you think the point per possession is on this play? Honestly, Adam, this isn't a bad shot for this group. <laughs> like to be completely honest, well, it's not a bad funny. look. Well, this is what's funny is they tried to run a play and couldn't get into it, so they just run pick and pop, yeah. which is their default option. Which you're right. Here's the thing: almost every possession with this unit ends up right here in some capacity. Yep. Either he shoots it, or he does this, or you know, just some ugly thing happens out of it. So this was indicative of just sort of how impotent this offense was offensively, but. Here's the thing. I think this unit could probably get stops most of the time. Uh, the, we're going to talk about the height advantage next, but they, they're they're not bad individual defenders. I think they could be. But if you just can't score, if all you can do is these types of shots, I don't care who you, how many stops you get, you're, you're going to be giving up some shots. And then on the other end, watch Gobert. You've got Jeff Green guarding him. You get just one little screen. Look at how much he muscles Jermichael Green out of there. You see mm. that? This is like like he's not even there. Like this is uh, – he, he just – Gets the switch, seals it, pushes him all the way to the opposite side, and then Jordan Clarkson wow. just has to like easy drive to the basket with no helpers, no rim protection. This is Denver's problem with this unit, sort of in a nutshell, is offensively they get the exact same looks every time, and defensively they're too little when you have a, a true center. Here's one other example of this that came later. Um, just watch Gobert. All right, Jeff Green boxed him. It's like he's not even there. Like That's just so easy, and that happened way too often where – um, that second unit just had no chance against Gobert's size. Yeah, we'll see what happens, it, what changes are potentially made with the second unit Friday. I, I feel stupid even speculating because it's, it, it just <laughs> seems worthless at this point. But coming into the season, at least talking about that bench on the offensive end of the floor, I just had this vision that P.J. Dozier was kind of going to be the center of it. And that has mm. just not even happened at all. I feel like P.J. Dozier like barely has the ball. Uh, I don't think with but the I second know, unit. I, I'm not upset about that. Like I love PJ Dozier, but I think he is. I don't think he can be the like engine. I know a lot of people yeah. have said replace Monte with Dozier. Like I don't, I don't know if I like that. Just because I don't know if he can be the point guard. I think he's a good secondary playmaker, but not a yeah. primary. Um, I just might had of. I, I just might have had wrong expectations for the type of player Dozier was going to develop into. Right. I love this play, though. Watch P.J. Dozier. This is the very next play. So Gobert just had that switch against Jermichael Green. Watch Dozier. Offensive foul. Now, what I love about that, I'm telling you, the Dozier does this stuff all the time. He just saw Gobert basically do this exact same thing to Jermichael Green. So he's like, I bet I know what he's going to do. The exact same thing. Takes a dive and draws a foul on him. I thought it was great work. You're not as happy with that one? I thought it was great. I was so impressed. With I that. don't know. I feel like if that call was was made against Denver the other way around, we'd be shitting on it. No, no. You know why? <laughs> Actually, I disagree with that. So here's why. You can be physical with a guy without running them over. And this is the key. Like you attack shoulders or you like put your ass into him and you kind of back him down or this or that. But if you run full speed the way that Gobert did against Jermichael Green and then as he tried to do against Dozier, like that's where you leave yourself vulnerable. Like, did he flop on it? Did he like plant his feet and not give any resistance? Of course, but you're not vulnerable to that if you just do the like, hey, I'm going to gain my position and then push you backwards with my ass or go attack side to side. So to me, yeah. it's bad technique from Gobert and Dozier just recognized it. Um, this is a significantly more consequential play. This is a rookie second round <laughs> oh, pick, Jared Butler. We've got a, a pick and pop, guys. We're going to run. Actually, this one, this time we're rolling. And you actually draw Gobert. Like, Gobert doesn't even step up on this. He's like, go for it. He lunges. But you still get blocked by a rookie. 
from behind. Mm. This is the problem with Faku is I just don't know how you can put pressure on the rim with this entire lineup. Who is the guy that most puts pressure on the rim? Dozier doesn't finish at the rim very well. Faku doesn't finish at the rim very well. I mean, like Austin Rivers can finish at the rim, but it's just, you know, one basically isolation plays that get him there. Um, there's just no pressure on the rim from that unit. I mean, Faku's taken 16 shots so far this season. Eight of them have been threes. Really, like, uh, four of them have been in the restricted area. So mm. he, he really just doesn't shoot a ton from the restricted area anyway because that that exact thing's going to happen. But Jared exactly. Butler, Jared Butler did get that block. I think he also fouled Faku twice on drives to the rim, and that was about all Jared Butler played. I think he subbed out after that. Right. I love Jared Butler, by the way. Can I just give that side note? I really am high on him. I think he's an incredibly sure. like skilled, smart player, and his game translates to the NBA extremely well. So I, I think he's going to be a great pickup for them. If, if he stays healthy, like the health questions yeah. are kind of big. Excited to play against him for the next 10 years. Ugh. Um, I look at, look at Will Barton fighting on defense here. I thought he did a great job. We were talking about this earlier. Here's a really good example. But all right, so you're, you're into the paint. You've kind of got him in a tough spot. He picks up his dribble. He doesn't have anything. 10 seconds on the clock. What happens in the next one second here, Harrison? Uh, a lob or a shot. Nope. MPJ. <laughs> it should have been a lob or a shot. <laughs> I mean, but even the lob, like Denver did a good job here. Like, look, this is a team that this is like, it's white side. Okay. It's not Gobert. They've done a good job. Okay. Making them work. And then you just give up. Like one guy just stops playing for a possession and it's two free throws. Like those are just absolute killer if you just freeze it right here before the cut like right here you're in good spot you're in good position yep. you have a good defensive possession on your hands and from there michael porter never reacts until the ball's already in the air and then it's like oh crap whose guy is that mine so i don't want to rag on him because i do think his effort in this game was a lot better but again and even his execution was a lot better he had some very good defensive plays in this game um michael porter did but yeah. plays like that just stick out like a sore thumb when you're like when you deconstruct it and you're like, oh, yeah, four guys did a great job. One guy just fell asleep for a second. Yeah, he was super active. I thought he was engaged for the most part. But the big mistakes that he does make are are super consequential. Like the huge mistakes yeah. he makes like that one usually result in a basket for the other yeah. team. A couple non-video clip ones here. I mean, Jordan Clarkson played a great game. He really got rolling in that first stint, um, and it translated. One was they were just cooking the bench, but then even after that, he continued to knock down shots, and it was just such a huge um, lift for them, uh, for, for Utah. And then Nuggets' PNR defense was just so bad. And again, I don't know. A lot of this is on Jokic, um, in my opinion. I don't know if it was fatigue or this or that or whatever, or whatever but um, they just were getting cooked uh Worse than we had seen over the last few um, few weeks. You guys, make sure to check out the American Raptors. They play their games at Infinity Park. It's your Colorado rugby team, and it's Rugby Town USA's newest rugby team. If you're not familiar with the American Raptors, they're made up of athletes who have competed at the highest levels of their respective sports in football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, track, and field. Some of these guys have played for professional NFL teams, the Seahawks, the Falcons, the Cardinals. They take these really high-level elite athletes and teach them the game of rugby and feel the team. And they're pretty good, and they're pretty fun to watch. Really fun to watch. The American Raptors, they play their games at Infinity Park. Really fun activity for the family on a weekend. Check out their schedule at AmericanRaptors.com. Grab a ticket there. They're free. 
They're also streaming on their website, AmericanRaptors.com, if you can't make it out to Infinity Park. But again, super fun activity for the whole fam. Right now, at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, they've got you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game this weekend. If they do, you win $200 in free bets. We're back up to $200, guys. Winner, winner, chicken, dinner. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get their skin in the game with new same-game parlays. You can do this on football. You can do this on basketball. Make sure to take advantage of that same game parlay as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. Win $200 in free bets if they win with promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Finally, StravaCraftCoffee.com. If you're a first-time buyer, first-time customer, you're trying to get some CBD-infused coffee all up in you, use the code DNVR25 for 25% off at StravaCraftCoffee.com. CBD has been known to help cure neck pain, back pain, arthritis, IBS, headaches, migraines. Just makes your life better. So go to StravaCraft Coffee. Use the code DNVR25 for 25% off your first order. You can get a StravaCraft Coffee subscription. Get CBD coffee delivered right to your doorstep. If you're a returning StravaCraft Coffee customer, make sure to use the code DNVR20 for 20% off. All right. How about a happy one, Harrison? Let's do it. <laughs> Our favorite play, and actually it's a little bit of a twist on a favorite play because this, is, this one is set up completely different. But you just get that Jokic, uh, uh, Gordon 5-4 pick and roll with an elevated oh, yeah. court, and it's like the easiest plays you'll ever see in your life. Now, before, I, I've been calling these elbow gets. This no one's actually not. This one's more of a straight 5-4 pick and roll. Elbow get usually refers to the cross free throw line screen and roll. Well, you'll, it's like an elbow entry, usually to Jokic right here. You set the screen this way and then roll. This one is the same sort of thought, but instead of it being from the side, this one's more of a, you know, like a step-up screen here. So it's mm-hmm. in a different spot. They're also, the elbow get play we watched the other day had Jokic call a zipper cut, which is where he gets a pin down and then comes into it. This one is just kind of a delay pass to Jokic at the top and then... But I mean, look at how open this is, Harrison. I mean, I would love the, to know the percentage of times that this play works. I feel honestly, like it's God, going back to going back to last year. It's not a hundred. I remember I was tracking this for a while, but it is like eighty percent. And yeah. either gets fouled or he gets the dunk, and it's just crazy how uh, how good the they've been on that play in particular. Um, mm-hmm. Jokic had it rolling so much. I don't remember the last time I saw this one, Harrison. Uh, they ran a pet play for him to get a three-pointer. If you watch this play, it's kind of funny. I mean, they've done this sometime, but Yoko's just so deep in his bag at this moment that they are like, here, we're going to run a little pin down for the no three. No hesitation. Boom. Fuck it. Like, it just mur- Yoko's just so in his bag right now. I don't I don't love doing that for Yoko um, too often, but in, in this case, it worked um, It worked just fine. And he was rolling so so well that why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He was Yoke was incredible in that second quarter. That was one of the better quarters. It's one of the better halves he's ever had, both first and second quarter. Um, it, I've I've been saying this so many different times, but it, meaningfully better through four games than he was last year. And I just never, I did not expect that. I thought he was going to be good, but maybe fatigued. He looks just like so much more dominant, and it's incredible. Nuggets fans should be there. He's like gives you a confidence that no matter how bad things get, you have this guy yeah. that can just probably win forty games for you. 
Like <laughs> he could win 40. He could get to the playoffs with four Tory Craig's around him. I mean, the odds for Nuggets winning this game if the first half was just like the second half, meaning like if he didn't get any more help in the second half than he did the first, 50-50, Denver was going to win that game just because he was like, yeah, I had 24-6-6. and six. By the way, there were still three minutes left in the half when he went down. Like, he still had another right. couple minutes. Like, he might have got another 30. four buckets probably. <laughs> he might have had 30 going into the half. Like, he just – it's so easy. The game is so easy for him. Um, and, and as Vote saying in the chat here, it, it's looking even easier. Um, he goes down. I thought Barton kind of pressed a little too much to end the half. Um, you could tell he was like, okay, we got to, someone's got to take over. And he did a great job of that in the third quarter. But the second half, it was like, there was a couple of possessions where you're like, dude, sl slow it down here. Let's everybody get our footing a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I thought Aaron Gordon, we talked about this. He did the best job I've seen a player of his ilk at not getting lured into bad shots in the first half. He, there's so many times where the defense would sag off and he's like, no, I'm not taking it. I'm, I'm attacking. And I just kept sticking with it. And it was so important. And the second half that changed really in the fourth quarter that changed. Um, and I don't know what it was, but I'm just so impressed with the shots he passed up as much as I am mm -hmm. with the points he scored. I'm impressed with the shots he passed up. Yeah. Uh, until the second half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until the second half. Um, he did, uh, Monte was solid. He hit some key shots as well. That kind of got swept under the rug, I feel. Um, but because Barton was so loud, but Mar Monte was also extremely solid in this one. Of course, no Jokic to start. We talked about that yesterday. We won't keep going into it. Gobert versus Jermichael Green. Uh, that's a mismatch. So rather than it being off the bench now, now you get Gobert playing with the starters and you have this huge height advantage, but tip your cap to the Nuggets who I thought battled really hard. One interesting thing, the Jazz have struggled. And last year they lost a, pl a playoff series to the Clippers because they're not very good against switches. And mm -hmm. when Jokic went down, in a weird way, it makes their defense against Utah in particular better, and it makes their offense just significantly worse. But Barton carried the offense. Like he Barton played above his his ability for a quarter, and it disguised it. So you got better defense, and you got equal offense. And Denver was able to kind of go on this nice little you know nice little run. Yeah, Bart was incredible in the third. Uh, 16 points. He had 16 of Denver's 26 in the quarter. And every bucket except one was on like a really tough drive to the rim. Yeah. <laughs> I like contact uh, too. So I like this play by Utah. This is a thing I think Denver can do. You have a high screen and roll. And by the way, your roller in this case, not Whiteside. This is Boyan Bogdanovich, which is kind of interesting. But rather than just run the straight pick and roll, what they do is they actually hit the wing to then hit the roller. And I just love mm -hmm. that action. So you see that there. I think Denver can utilize things. Quinn Snyder is a great coach, man, and he has some cool things in that in that uh, playbook. But this is one of them. I would love Denver could get this one going too. And then now look, uh, you know, Denver actually did a decent job of rotating over. Barton is a little bit late and he jumps. So he, they both yeah. fall for the fake. And now you're just so vulnerable. Um, but nonetheless, this little quick to the wing and then to the roller. Um, those types of actions are just killer. By the way, another team that's great at this, San Antonio, and also Golden State, um, do these ones really do these really well? Well, Quinn Snyder isn't he from uh, the Popovich tree? I think he might be actually. Yeah, um, I think he might be. Uh, oh, I got another one here for PJ Dozier. I gotta stop. I gotta just keep the screen shared. Um, another one from PJ Dozier, who is the best on the team at rotating early. You keep an eye on him on the weak side. Look at where he's at. The pass hasn't yeah. even left the hands yet, and he's already right at the center part in fact he is there he's there actually before joe ingles jumps that's how early he gets meets him this high 
And again, it's Whiteside. He can make these passes, but you make it hard on him. And then here's what I love. Now you got to sprint back, right, to the corner. But he actually sees the player getting beat on the drive here. And so he jumps out again and creates an X out. So he actually double helps the paint here, and it leads to a turnover. If we watch it in real wow. time here, watch it again. Early, does his work early, recovers but recognizes, so he gets back. Boom, you get a stop. That was like a one player should be developed, credited with a stop on that, and it's P.J. Dozier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about like high IQ defenders on the Nuggets, P.J. Dozier is right up there, like at the top. Yeah, he's got arguably the best defensive IQ, best defensive player on the Nuggets. The last video clip here for today, but um, you're gonna see a great angle. This is like one of my like things I just love. Watch P.J. Dozier get beat here. Little fake and go. But look at the angle he takes. So many players will take an angle like this, and then they're like constantly playing behind. Watch his recovery angle. Opens up and just rather it beats him to a spot he knows he can beat him at. And then also yeah. Barton just got blocked by Hassan Whiteside so hard. But you got to love Barton's heart. Look at him. He just sprints back to be able to save. Like two great defensive plays here creates a jump ball. Barton wins the jump ball. That gets credited as a stop. And that's PJ Dozier having great defensive footwork. And that's Will Barton not giving up on a play. So. Um, huge props to them for it. Michael Porter should take some notes on that angle that PJ Dozier took right there. <laughs> definitely, definitely true. Um, Barton, by the way, so he gets his shot blocked. He gets that stop and then goes to a jump ball, wins the jump over a player taller than him. And then he comes down and he gets a great drive at the hoop. He has a goldfish memory. I know people don't always love it because sometimes it turns him into a gunner. Like he definitely can become a gunner too sometimes. But the flip side of that is, He's one of those guys that just does not get rattled. And by the way, players to not get rattled when they miss two or three in a row, it's a short list. Like almost all yeah. – we saw Michael Porter get rattled last – well, we'll talk about that coming up. But in the fourth quarter when he went cold, he got he was rattled. Will Barton can like get blocked in humiliating fashion and come down on the next play and pull up for three and knock it down. He just – he gets over things very, very quickly. Um, and speaking of which, Harrison, I, we didn't get to hear the ESPN broadcast. I don't know if you got to rewatch the game and heard it, but – at this moment, Barton comes down and hits a shot. The Nuggets, I think, are up three. And this is deep into the third quarter. And the broadcast crew says, I can't remember it ever being this quiet in this building. How funny. Wow. Is it? How funny is it? It took the best player in the NBA going to the locker room to get the quietest <laughs> moment in uh, that arena's history. Utah had That's, to be That shared. is wild. The fans yeah. clearly were like, man, these guys are just kind of sticking with us. How is this happening? They don't have Murray or Jokic. <laughs> and Porter looks terrible. Um, again, I just make another note because I thought Porter was working really hard on D. He had a great defensive possession against uh, Jordan Clarkson where he stuck him in ISO. Like, it just stuck with him. And, look, Clarkson was cooking everybody. So the fact that Porter kind of shut him down on that, that's a real – got to tip your cap to him. Um, the Nuggets were – Porter had one... Porter had that other steal against Conley too up at the top where Conley kind of had just – was leaving the ball out in front of him and Porter just took it. Yep, yep. He had that one. And then he had another one against Gobert where he po poked it away. So he had some nice defensive possessions this one. I mean, look, Porter does a lot that's like super frustrating, but I do honestly think he is trying to like lock in the best he can. He still makes so many mistakes, but like you could tell he's trying to make fewer and fewer. And in this game, I don't think defensively he was the problem, save for the possession or two that I highlighted. Um, Nuggets only down one at the end of the third. Um, so we're going into the fourth quarter, and here's where it is. I talk about Michael Porter had a steal. I just mentioned off of Gobert, mm -hmm. and then he hits a three on the next play. So it gets off to a good start. You think, okay, there's some momentum. Yep. Um, he missed two shots in a row. That happens. Yep. Like, they were good looks. I want him taken, especially in that minute, it, that moment. where they forced? Yeah, a little bit. But guess what? 
we, what do you want? A Jermichael Green pick and pop? Like, come on. Like, I'd rather Michael Porter forcing shots in that moment. He just didn't hit him. Whatever. To me, not a big deal. Like, just not a big deal. But the part where it really came apart for him, he isos against Gobert. He can't get around him for whatever reason. Gobert, Gobert's a good defender, even on isos. He can't get around him. He can't shake him. But rather than anything, he just like pivots and then throws the most feeble turnover you've ever seen, where it's like he gets stuck at the foul line. And rather than just like get it out and get it back, you've seen Bones Highland do this. I think I highlighted it on a Bones Highland clip where like he'll try to iso a guy. And if it doesn't work, he doesn't force it. He'll give it away. But when it comes back to him, he's not like, oh man, this guy just stuck me. He's like, all right, round two. Like, let's see what happens. Michael Porter feebly kind of pivots and throws this little lofty pass that gets stolen immediately. It was such a like, dude, what are you doing out there kind of moment. And then on the other end of the sequence, he blew a defensive assignment and it was a killer sequence. Not a killer sequence for the Nuggets. Like it's just one turnover that led the other way. But I think it was a killer sequence for his confidence and probably for the team's confidence in him because you watch that one and you watch how feebly he sort of gave up the ball when he got stuck by Gobert, and then you watch him miss an assignment. And if you're his teammate, I just have to think you think in your mind, you're like, come on, bro. Like, come on, man. Yeah. It, it was a defining sequence of, of the game for me. I mean, it's the play I let off the column I wrote uh, right. that last night. That's on the DNVR.com because Porter just looked so unsure of what he wanted to do in that scenario. Look, right. he's got Rudy Gobert switched out on him. That's an, any offensive player's dream, you know? And yeah. he just was really unsure of what he wanted to do, turned it over, and then, like you said, the defensive uh, miscue, all of a sudden it's Faku guarding Rudy Gobert right next to the rim. Right. And sure enough, it turned into a bucket. That felt like the real beginning of the end. Right. Um, my only final notes here is that I thought Utah in the fourth quarter did a nice job of adjusting to Denver switch. Like it gave him problems for a little bit there. The way they really sort of solved it was that they started attacking closeouts. So Denver with these switches has to sort of overcompensate when they swung the ball, they put extra pressure uh, emphasis on get around the front line of defense. Cause if you can get around them, you don't need to be hyper dynamic in reading the court. All you have to do is get far enough away so that the big, Michael Green, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, whoever it was, just has to be in position where they have to guard a lob to Gobert. And if you can do that, um, that's great. So it opened up the uh, level of uh, the level of error. What is it? The margin of error. They it opened up the margin of error for lobs to Gobert if you could beat the first line of defense just a little bit. And of course, it's really hard in today's NBA not to get beat off the dribble, especially off of closeouts. And so they were just lobbing passes to Gobert on the run, and Denver just yeah. couldn't answer. They started hacking Gobert because they knew they were just going to get dunked <laughs> on every single time if they didn't. A uh, strategy everybody. I actually liked. I, yeah. I actually was a fan of that strategy. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Why, why not do it? Although Gobert did start making some of these. Um, but although I don't know if he would have made them if they weren't up like eight. Like the game was kind of over at that point, and there's not that much pressure. Um, a couple little end of game notes. You know, Barton hurt his thumb. Um, uh, you know, a little bit could be a story. Let's keep an eye on it. Will Barton is shooting 52% from the field, including 42% from three right now. 52% from the field, by far career high. Like his efficiency through four games is off the chain right now, um, relative to what he's what's been expected. And it, it's he said he was going to have a career year. He we talked about it in the preseason how confident he was. I was confident in him, and he's backed that up by being hyper efficient so far. Uh, and a lot of that is getting to the rim or getting into the paint and finishing these tough shots. But he just has such great balance and strength there. Um, yeah, most of it's right at the rim. He's shooting ten of fourteen at the rim so far yep. this season. 
That's uh, so different from last year. 71% last year he shot 56% at the rim. And the 56% almost felt weird. Like he wasn't even getting to the rim and turning it over when he got there more than anything. Like I think that 56% is even doesn't describe how much he struggled from yeah. from doing the thing that makes him really dynamic. Um and then lastly, you know, a lot has been made by myself even about the uh Michael Porter not finding shots. There's so many different things that I think would lead to him getting more field goal attempts in the offense. But number one easy one he could fix right away, Harrison, being a better screener. I think he's the worst screener on the team. Outside of <laughs> Bull Bull. Bull Bull might be the worst screener on the team. Like he's just so thin or whatever. Michael Porter just never makes contact on screens. And I think it's one of the reasons he doesn't ever get open. You know, this is an old we're going back to high school with this principle. Bet the best screeners often get open because they create the chain of reaction and then are quickest to exploiting it, right? Like you're the one that got that hard screen, so then you're the quickest to release. Michael Porter just never makes contact. And I think it's part of why when he's coming off these dribble handoffs, you never see him open. It's because usually there's an action before that that is a zero burger. So then he's coming off these handoffs, he's not open either. So one way he can really start to open up shots for him is becoming a better screener. And a better off-ball mover just in general. I mean, the Nuggets have been begging him to be more active off the ball for three yeah. years now. And yeah. sometimes he's better. Sometimes he he shows some signs that he's doing that more. I was not – I did not think he, like, was active off the ball last night. Uh, that would help a lot, too. Um, good question here. I'm seeing from Zbort. Who would you give the chain to? Again, so this year, Michael Malone, I think it's only for wins. I don't think they're doing this yeah, for losses. It's only wins. So it's a good one. Um, who would you give the defensive chain to, which is basically saying the defensive player of the game? I would probably give it to Aaron Gordon or Will Barton. I thought both of those guys did a very good job defensively on Donovan Mitchell. Um, and, you know, nobody was great in this one, but Donovan Mitchell goes 9 of 20, 1 of 9 from the three-point line. He gets 22 points. He was a minus 4. I thought Denver did a pretty good job. I mean, he's a superstar, so, like, he, you expect big things out of him. Denver did a good job. Um, I would have gone to one of those two guys. I probably Honestly, probably Aaron Gordon. Like Bogdanovich I would have given it to Gordon. Yeah, I think I think it's Gordon. I think it's I think it's easily Gordon. That does it for today. Thanks to the those of you that tuned in. Don't forget, we'll probably be doing these more more and more often. So uh, it's a really cool way to get these up, and then I'll try to clip these clips together for the list as well, so you can watch them individually. Uh, and then let people know if you guys enjoyed this show. You know, give us a shout out on social media so people know this is for a, a little bonus thing for DNVR members. We hope that you enjoy this as a podcast alone. But if you want that little bit extra where you get to watch the plays along as we're talking about them, become a member at thednvr.com. We'll see everybody next time. Guys, right now at Hassle Cattle Company, if you use the code DNVR10, you're going to get 10% off your entire purchase. Of course, that's at HassleCattleCompany.com. If you're in the area, stop by the DNVR bar. We've got Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef on all our burgers. It's super, super good. And again, if you're not in the area, check out HassleCattleCompany.com. Use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your entire purchase every single time. Not just a one-time deal, every single time. They've got everything at Hassle Cattle Company. Some of us at DNVR, we actually live off of Hassle Cattle Company purchases. Pull a bunch of friends together. Any orders over $200, you will receive free shipping. Uh, so check out everything they have to offer at HassleCattleCompany.com. Make sure to use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your purchase. And if you're in the area, if you're on East Colfax, if you're in Denver, stop by the DNVR bar. All our burgers are awesome and they have Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef on them.